This is the Canadian Taxpayers Federation podcast, where we're dedicated to lower taxes, less waste, and more accountable government. I'm Chris Sims. I'm the Alberta Director of the CTF, and I'm here with my friend and colleague, Franco Terrazano. He is the Federal Director, <laughs> holding down the fort in Ottawa, uh, right in the Dragon's Lair. So, Franco, the last few weeks especially have been pretty darn hard for any Canadian that owes money <laughs> of any sort, and that's usually most of us. Uh, many of us have mortgages, lines of credit, whatnot, uh, because the interest rate's going up and inflation is sky high, and all that's connected to the Bank of Canada. But you dug up some really interesting documents at the Bank of Canada, and there's some shenanigans going on there. Can you explain to our weary listeners what the heck is going on? Oh, yeah, it's crazy. But before, I think we have to acknowledge something. You know, we shouldn't have to say this, but bonuses and pay raises are for when you actually do a good job. <laughs> but the Bank of Canada, the Bank of Canada haven't, they haven't been doing a good job. And yet they still gave themselves $45 million in bonuses and pay raises in 2020 and 2021. Again, that was documents that we dug up through access to information requests. Okay, so for starters, this is a federal crown corporation and a crown corporation should not be handing out pay raises and bonuses in 2020 when their neighbors in the private sector were struggling with pay cuts, job losses, businesses being shut down. But Simmer, here's the real frustrating part, okay? The Bank of Canada has one job, one job, and that's to keep inflation low and around 2%. And look, if you've been to the grocery store any time in the last year, you know that the Bank of Canada failed to do its only job. Yeah, uh, I think everybody is bloody well noticing that. Uh, everything is either more expensive or keep an eye on portion sizes. It's something you notice, especially at the grocery store. Suddenly that little package of ground beef is getting littler by the week and you're still paying the same price. Um, so to be really clear, they still handed out 45 million bucks in bonuses during the pandemic and they admitted that they failed, right? Yeah, no, that's correct. Now, I want to read you a few quotes, so bear with me here, okay? Yeah. The deputy governor of the Bank of Canada acknowledged, quote, we haven't managed to keep inflation at our target. Well, duh. And then, <laughs> and then went on to say that central bankers, quote, should be held accountable. Well, Simmer, you know, I haven't been around the block for too long here, but handing out millions in bonuses and pay raises is kind of an odd way to hold your organization accountable. And it raises another serious question because the Bank of Canada told us that it gives out bonuses for, quote, successfully meeting or exceeding expectations. So hold on a second here. You have the deputy governor of the Bank of Canada admitting that it didn't do a good job and that it should be held accountable. Then you have the Bank of Canada saying that they only give out bonuses when they're successfully meeting or exceeding expectations. Well, they clearly didn't do that. So why were they giving out millions in bonuses and pay raises? Because there is no bloody accountability. Because <clears throat> like you mm. said many, many times, it's the tale of two pandemics. It's us and them. It's government employees, including folks at the Bank of Canada, apparently, and the rest of us. Mm -hmm. So when the rest of us stink at our jobs or we fail to meet expectations or whatnot in the private sector, we don't get bonuses and pay raises. But government, I guess, are just insulated from it. Now, I got to do this. So to play devil's advocate, uh, whenever you and I bring this stuff up online, there's always going to be the chirping saying, yeah, but it's a global thing. This is happening all around the world. So Franco, isn't inflation a global phenomenon and we're all just at its mercy? What gives here? Nothing. That's an, no, that's an important question. And I am going to address the global issue here in a second, but let's just set that aside for one quick moment. Okay. okay. Because first, remember bonuses and pay raises are for when you do a good job. 
they failed. I think everybody agrees with that for sure. Yeah, they failed. Okay, so let's acknowledge that they failed and that they even recognized that they failed to hit their own targets. Okay, annual consumer prices were above 3% for nine consecutive months in 2021, yet they still handed out millions of dollars in bonuses and pay raises. So that's an important thing to remember, right? You don't just get a bonus. A bonus isn't a participation trophy. You get a bonus for when you do a good job, okay? But okay, let's talk about the global phenomenon here. Sure, many other countries saw big inflation because guess what? When other countries jack up the printing press and run crazy insane deficits, they get the same silly prize, inflation. Play silly games, win silly prizes. <laughs> but it's and worse it's than stupid that. Stupid games and stupid prizes, well, but you're nicer than me, yeah. This is a family show. <laughs> and uh, let's just recognize too, that even when we look at the global phenomenon, Canada isn't doing good. The Central Bank of Canada isn't doing good. The International Monetary Fund provides data for 35 industrialized countries, so our peer countries. Now, only three of those countries had higher inflation rates than Canada in 2021. Okay, so that means that we weren't doing a very good job containing inflation, even compared to our peer countries around the world. Now, Statistics Canada just released a report that shows that consumer prices increased by more than 8% over the last year, more than 8% inflation. Mm -hmm. But the Bank of Canada's target is 2%, yet we saw 8% inflation. Now let's compare that with what's going on in Hong Kong, 1.8% inflation, or Japan, 2.4% inflation, or even Switzerland, 3.4% inflation. So there is no way that our central bankers can just shrug this off as a global phenomenon, because clearly other countries did a better job. For sure. Okay. And I, we have to stress here, they're doing a bad job. They're failing at their job. They admit they're failing at their job, not achieving their objectives, and they're still getting bonuses. This is like, say, say you're a hockey player and you're coming up for contract <laughs> renegotiation, but your plus minus is in the tank. You're not scoring. You're letting the puck pass you all the time. If you're a defenseman, just imagine you being able to get a big bonus, a big signing bonus. It just wouldn't happen. If you're failing at your job, you don't get big bonuses, but it's still happening there because government. Now I want you to explain something uh, to our listeners, because it's one of the things you do well, explain for our listeners, the connection between the bank of Canada, the role that the bank of Canada plays in Canada and inflation. How are those two things connected? Yeah, that's a, that's an important question, Chris. But I just want to go back to the plus minus. I mean, kudos for you for bringing up that great little sporting analogy. But I think it's worse than that. I think it's like me going to my coach after the game, be like, hey, I scored three goals. And my coach being like, yeah, but they're all in our own net. So that is exactly. So that's kind of what the Bank of Canada has been doing here. Right. So at best, let's be as charitable as charitable as possible. At best, it failed to do its only job at best it failed to keep a lid on rising prices. At worst, it drove this inflation bus by printing more than $300 billion right out of thin air and dropping it into an economy. Now look, it's, 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 it's very easy to understand this. The more dollars that the central bank prints, the less that your dollars in your bank account and your retirement savings account will buy right? It's the old demand. It's the old supply demand. The more dollars, the less value that your dollars have, right? So the, one of the problems that we're seeing here is of course that you have the bank of Canada printing dollars out of thin air, but of course the government can't just print gasoline. It can't just print farmland and it can't just print homes yep. out of thin air. 
Now I said tangible things. Yep. Tangible things. Now remember more than $300 billion printed out of thin air by the central bank during the pandemic. Now that's close to a 300% growth in the bank of Canada's assets. And it's significantly higher growth than what occurred during the recession of the seventies of the eighties and of the nineties. And it's even higher than the growth in the bank of Canada's assets all the way from the beginning of 2008 until the beginning of the pandemic. Okay. So in fact, the growth in the Bank of Canada's assets, that 300% growth since the beginning of the pandemic, it rivals the growth that occurred during the entire six years of World War II. Okay, so on the one hand, you had all this new money printing, driving up consumer demand. But then on the other hand, you had two years of revolving government lockdowns, reducing output of actual tangible goods. Yep. You had the government paying people not to work. So you had the government create the perfect storm for inflation, which was too many dollars chasing too few goods. And now Canadians are paying the price, literally. Yeah, we are. Everybody is. Um, listening to you explain it that way, it's hard not to actually start feeling panicky um, that this is sounding really bad, uh, that adults in the room need to stand up and do something. So we here at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, uh, one of our key roles is accountable government. We want to hold the government to account. So you and I, all of our CTF supporters, all of our listeners, um, inflation is showing that there's no such thing as a free lunch, right? We're mm -hmm. all going to be bearing the brunt yeah. of these decisions, bad decisions. What do we want government to do to fix this? Can they fix this? That's the question, right? right. But for starters, for starters, we need the Bank of Canada today to make it very clear that nobody's getting a pay raise in that organization and nobody's getting a bonus in 2022. It's bad enough that they were handing out $45 million in bonuses and pay raises in 2020 and 2021 during the pandemic when their neighbors in the private sector struggled and when they failed to meet their own targets. It was bad enough that they did that. There is no way that they should be giving anyone a bonus when Canadians can't afford gasoline or groceries. Okay, so that's number one. But the real question, how do you stop inflation? Well, stop doing what is causing inflation, okay? Turn off the money printer, yeah. rein in the deficits, and uh, cut taxes like so many other countries are doing. Cut red tape so that we can attract investment and actually produce more of the goods that the money buys. That's what we have to do. Stop doing what is causing inflation, and I think that'll uh, provide some much-needed relief for Canadians. And relief is definitely what they need. Uh, for folks who want to read more of the hard data, the math and the grim details, uh, I know it's not pretty, but it's essential and uh, you really need to check it out. So we're going to include a few columns on the Bank of Canada in our show notes so people can understand. Uh, Franco, thanks for this. And Jay Goldberg, he's the Ontario director, uh, but he's actually keeping an eye on the Atlantic provinces for us too. And folks, listeners... We know you're beleaguered, you're distraught. We're always telling you about government waste, but we actually have some good news. Jay, you have some good news for us from Atlantic Canada, give her. I do, Nova Scotia Premier Tim Houston has decided that pigs are gonna fly somewhere over the Atlantic and he's <laughs> taken a $11,000 pay cut. He says that now is not the time for high salaries for politicians. Uh, that he wants to stand in solidarity with Nova Scotians as they're facing high gas prices and high inflation. And so, yes, uh, you heard it right. Tim Houston, $11,000 pay cut in his position as Premier of Nova Scotia. You know, that's crazy. 
I'm out here in Ottawa and I just see everyone, you know, all the politicians giving them pay raise after pay raise after pay raise. I just thought it was like a law of nature that politicians pay has to go up every single year, just like the law of gravity. Right. Because that's one of the things that we've been really hammering is that these politicians gave themselves three pay raises during the pandemic, ranging from an extra 10,000 smackers for a backbench member of parliament, all the way up to more than $20,000 extra compared to pre-COVID-19 for Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Now, look, a backbencher politician in Ottawa is making $189,000 this year. Trudeau is making nearly $380,000. I think it was pretty clear that these politicians could have cut their pay or at least not give themselves pay raises during the middle of a pandemic. So, Jay, I want to know something, okay? Uh, what rationale did Premier Houston give out in Nova Scotia uh, to, to encourage this pay cut? Well, he said he, he sees what uh, Nova Scotians are going through. He sees the high inflation. He specifically mentioned high gas prices. And he said it's more difficult for Nova Scotians to make ends meet. And that's why he wanted to freeze MLA salaries and cut his own salary by $11,000. And so this is the kind of rationale we've been talking about the CTF. And it seems that Premier Houston is showing some of that in Nova Scotia. Jay, you're telling me something about a um, a compensation panel. Can you go into that? Yeah, so in Nova Scotia, the Speaker's office uh, had appointed a compensation panel. They hadn't changed MLA pay since 2013 in Nova Scotia, and so there was a review going on. The, interest, the interesting thing was politicians made it a binding review so that once the, the committee decided how much MLA should be paid or how much of a pay increase they should get, this was made to be binding so that it would be stuck in Nova Scotia and politicians wouldn't have to vote to increase their pay. So that's exactly what happened. They recommended a $13,000 pay raise in Nova Scotia. And essentially the premier came in, he said, we're not gonna allow it, recall the legislature. That's what they did. And all parties supported canceling that pay hike. Good for, good for the premier. You know what's really starting to grind my gears? Uh, we are getting our supporters to put pressure on their member of parliament saying, hey, look, this is what I went through over the last three years. You can at least share in the tough times and avoid raising your own pay during the pandemic. But we're getting member of parliament after member of parliament after member of parliament say, hey, look, what can I do? I'm just a backbencher. What, I, what You know, I'm not the government. I can't bring in a piece of legislation. But you know what? Where there's a will, there's a way. And Premier Houston is showing that politicians can get off their butts. This isn't rocket science. They can stop these pay raises. And I just wish that the members of parliament in Ottawa would show the same initiative that Premier Houston did. So Jay, you actually played a role in this. You, you testified or something. Tell us about that. Yeah, so after we came out in support of uh, Premier Tim Houston's move to recall the legislature, freeze the pay for MLAs and cut the premier's salary, I was invited to appear before a committee at the Nova Scotia legislature virtually, where I not only said that this is a good move and they should vote for it, but I also said that we're going to face major problems in Nova Scotia with bracket creep because they don't adjust their tax brackets with inflation. So this is going to be a huge tax hike for Nova Scotians, people in PEI and Alberta also, and all parties agreed with me when I said that. So we're really hoping that not only should MLA shows solidarity with Nova Scotians by not taking a pay hike and Premier Houston taking a pay cut, but they need to go further and they need to make sure that people get adjustments in their income taxes based on the cost of living. We can't afford these automatic pay hike tax hikes. 
Well, we can't afford the automatic pay hikes either for politicians. Uh, So, Jay, great job out there. I just want to reiterate the fact, right? Our members of parliament in Ottawa should not be giving themselves pay raise after pay raise after pay raise. And let's just be frank. Politicians can afford to take a pay cut here. Okay, mm-hmm. Jay was Jay sent me some of these stats before the uh, before this interview, so I just want to read them off to you. The median income in Canada is seventy five thousand dollars. MLAs in Nova Scotia make eighty nine thousand dollars. Members of Parliament, just your backbencher collecting dust, makes one hundred and eighty nine thousand dollars. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau makes three hundred and seventy nine thousand dollars. So you can't tell me that these politicians couldn't afford a pay cut. Remember, in New Zealand, almost immediately, their prime minister stood up and said, I'm going to take a 20 percent cut. She said that her top bureaucrats, her ministers were also going to take a 20 percent cut. And that's what we should be seeing here in Canada. And James Wood, he's also in Ottawa and he's our investigative journalist. Yeah, we've got one of those. And so you've been doing some investigating, James, into Charlottetown and what's happening with our money there. Lots of waste, lots of strange shenanigans. What's going on? Yeah, basically, they're just they're just throwing money around like crazy over there. And it's not uh, not going too well. Um, The best example we have is we pulled some records for this. There was this dinner in Quebec City where a delegation from Charlottetown had gone for a conference back in 2019. Now, they went, they used taxpayers' money to throw this very boozy dinner. Uh, 15 people went to a steakhouse in Quebec City during this conference, including council members and the Charlottetown mayor, Philip Brown. And they dropped over just over 1,800 bucks on this, uh, this lovely meal for everyone there. Um, that was 15 people. Uh, it was a bar tab of one glass and four bottles of wine, uh, 11 beers, 20 ounces of liquor, and uh, three cocktails, total bar bill of $459. Wow, that's insane. I <laughs> like it must be just nice, hey, just being one of those hardworking counselors or, or the mayor and just being able to booze it up on your bosses, the taxpayers' expense must be nice. Yeah, I mean, like 1800 bucks on a boozy dinner, that's quite the tab. <laughs> um, now, the, here's the kicker. The city's own policies expressly forbid uh, staff and council members from using taxpayers' money to buy alcohol, liquor, that kind of thing. Like, it's literally <laughs> written out. You shouldn't do this. They still and did it, though? They, yeah, they still did it, right? Like, it's just, guys, what are you doing? So when we ran this story, uh, folks in Charlottetown rightly mad as hell. Um, a whole storm kicked up. Eventually, the mayor had to issue an apology and uh, say that something had gone wrong here. This was the exception to the policy. We shouldn't have done it, that kind of thing. Like, it'll, we swear it'll never happen again. Many apologies. We promise things will be different in the future. And on top of that, it was hilarious because after we ran the story, I put another request in for chatter between counselors on that topic. And when the emails came back, like they were just yelling at each other. They're like, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't at this dinner. I didn't go. Why this happened? What is this? We need to apologize. Oh my gosh. So just a complete mess. And it, just throw money around like crazy. Not yeah. doing too well. Say Charlottetown. Ridiculous. So for folks who don't know, um, you can you can a tip or do a freedom information request to get emails between elected officials, including mm-hmm. city councilors here in Canada. And so that's what James is talking about. Is he was able to go, hey, what were they saying to each other after they started pointing fingers? And it sounds like it was pretty crazy. But what I don't understand is the sense of entitlement. I'll never for the life of me understand why bureaucrats and politicians feels like they can get away with spending our money in this way without somebody noticing. Now, you and I were talking about this a few days ago. Wasn't there some double dipping going on there as well? 
Yeah, like the, on top of the the boozy bar bill and all that chaos, like at the actual conference, they were double dipping on their meal expenses in the first place. Um, that so at least ten elected officials and the staff that went along, they billed taxpayers for five to six meals a day. Um, the meals are they were- hobbits? Five to six <laughs> meals a day. Yeah, Come yeah, on. Like second breakfast, 11 things, all that stuff. No. Hey, look. Like, hey, hold on a second. Hey, I got to <laughs> stick up for, for people like to eat five, six, seven meals a day. Hey, I like it. I just don't expect my boss to be picking up exactly. all the tabs. Yeah. Like in this case, the boss is the taxpayer and they're just throwing these bills at them to, to wild abandon. Um, the thing was, is that on the, the conference they went to, the cost of their tickets to go to the conference in the first place included meals. Like they didn't have to be expensing meals on top of their conference food. So they, but they went ahead and still did it. They submitted meal expenses. They submitted per DMs, all that stuff. The double dipping built up to just over uh, $6,500. And in total, Charlottetown taxpayers for this one trip to, to Quebec City for this municipal conference, they paid over $42,000. That was the food, that was the lodging, and then the general expenses that they filed for this entire Quebec City trip. So not great, not great to the Charlottetown. I think there's some pretty common sense answers you're going to give me here, but Jimbo, <laughs> what's the fix? I, I mean, you don't want to state the obvious because it's kind of cliche here, but you know, don't do what you've been doing. Uh, <laughs> don't bill taxpayers for booze that you're not supposed to buy. Uh, don't uh, devil up on your expenses, that kind of thing. Pretty simple stuff. Um, yep. <laughs> and like, like the biggest fix here that could be done and the city's trying to do it on their own a little bit, but we've been advocating for this. The, the city, the provincial government, PEI, needs to go to Celia Charlottetown and take a long, hard look at the way they're running the show over there. Take a look at the operations, the expense policies, all that kind of stuff, and get a handle on what's going on there. How that stuff even happened in the first place and make sure it won't happen again. Because otherwise, uh, however long from now, we'll have the exact same story again. Agreed. You know, uh, city halls, city councillors and mayors have a lot of power. They have access to a lot of money and they don't have a heck of a lot of scrutiny. And so this is why we need things like municipal auditor generals across Canada that are constantly keeping an eye on the books. So, folks, um, if this is your jam and you want to read more about government fat cats and bureaucrats wasting your money on frivolous things like booze and fancy dinners in Quebec, uh, head up to our website, uh, taxpayer.com. You can read and weep all about it. Hi, I'm Scott Hennig, president of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. If you've got another minute, I'd like to ask you to think about the one person you know that would really enjoy listening to this podcast. Do us a favor and do them a favor and send them a quick note to let them know about it. At the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we believe there is power in numbers. That's why we've worked so hard to build an army of taxpayers who are ready to push back. And we did it because people like you shared our work with that one person that they knew would really appreciate taking part. Thanks for listening. And thanks for doing your part to make Canada a better place.